Happy Mother's Day. You know, I like it. It's good to celebrate. But I think it is sometimes hard for mothers, and I think mothers need to be reminded that this is a, this is a gratitude day. We are expressing gratitude and thanks for the things that you have meant to us uh, throughout our lives. I mean, it's, it's pretty profound, isn't it? The love that a mother has for her child. Um, something I don't think a man can really understand. Um, not quite the same. It's a deep, deep bond. But it, I think it helps us to understand and mother's love shows us the love of our God, our Creator. And uh, there's something very special about the bond between the child that a mother has a hand in creating and the bond of our Creator and His love for us. I uh, wanted to share a, a Mother's Day note from our grandson when he was eight. This is a couple of years ago to his mom. I think it kind of captures um, the love of a mother. Uh, Dear Mom, I am very honored to be your son. Your heart has been amazing, and I can truly see that you have been trying so hard to make my life wonderful. The way that God made you is awesome. God has given you my life to protect, and you have always done that. And no matter what, I know you will always fight for me, encourage me, always love me. You have made me a delicate promise to always help me when I'm hurt. You will always cheer me up when I'm sad. You are the most beautiful mom, most encouraging mom, And the best thing, you are the most loving mom in the universe. Love, Jacob. Well, that's a pretty good picture of a mother's love. It's a love that looks like God's love. That's something I don't want you to miss. In the Old Testament, it's called chesed, Just like in the New Testament, it's called agape. Agape is Greek. Chesed is Hebrew. How many of you have ever heard that word, chesed? You can spell it H-E-S-D. I'm going to put a slide up, and it'll show you how to spell the word. But you have to have a little saliva in your mouth when you say that that H, chesed. It's a beautiful word. But we don't have just one word that captures the essence and the fullness of the concept chesed, or, if you will, loyal love. If you put, for example, the word love and the word faithfulness and the word kindness and the word loyalty, and you shook them all together, you would have something that approximates chesed, God's love. And in fact, in the Old Testament, numerously, but a refrain in the Psalms is this, the steadfast love of the Lord endures, endures forever. 
The word chesed in the book of Psalms alone occurs 130 times. And it is a key word in the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, which begins with a mother named Naomi. And Naomi and her husband, Ahimelech, they are, if you will, forced because of famine. We know nothing of famine. But because they couldn't find food, they had to leave their homeland, leave their land, leave their status, their people, all their connections. They became immigrants to the foreign place of Moab where they dwelt and raised their two boys, two young boys. No Jewish community, no Israelite community there, and so when the boys became of age, impoverished as they were, I mean, as I said, they had nothing. They had to live hand to hand to mouth. What, what they were able to acquire was working jobs to put food in their mouths. And so it was that when it came to arranging the marriage of the boys, um, the men usually did that, and he didn't have anything to work with. In fact, the passage tells us that it's quite possible that before they reached that age, uh, he had died and left Naomi with the two boys. And so if that was the case, to marry the boys, to, that would be a very scary thing for a mom, to marry her boys to girls who were not Israelite who were of the people of Moab, who worshipped foreign gods, and then on top of it had no status, so the upper-class families are not going to marry off their daughter to a woman who has no man in her life to arrange their marriage, who has no status, who has no land, who has no dowry. So when you read about them marrying Orpah and Ruth, the boys, you have to understand that these, these boys and these girls, local girls, were, were not at the top of the social ladder. And for some 10 years, Orpah and Ruth were unable to bear children. So there are no sons now when their husbands die. And so it's just Ruth and Orpah and their mother-in-law, Naomi. The word chesed, or we could say God's loyal love, we see in verse 8, and I'd like us to... Begin reading at verse 6 and read a few verses, and then we'll get to verse 8. So it, it turns out that in 
this verse, verse 6, when it says, She arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab for, note this, she had heard in the fields. She was gleaning. She was following the reapers. She was gleaning the scraps of food that she could collect to feed the family. That the Lord had, she had heard that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. And so she thought, we, we can be hungry at, in our own homeland with our own people as, as well as being hungry here. But now there is food there. There may be work. And so uh, then we read, excuse me. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, so they're walking along, and she stops, and she says, Go. Go. Return, each of you, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Dealt kindly is the word chesed. May the Lord deal kindly. In other words, may the Lord show you his loyal, his everlasting, his faithful, his caring love, his kindness, even as you have shown to me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. He believes that their prospects are better than Moab, than where she's going. Who among the Israelites are going to marry foreign previously married girls? Their prospects are so bleak. Then she kissed them, and when she kissed them, they started howling in grief. And uh, they said, no, we will not return with you to your people. Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I should have hope that I should have a husband this night and should bear sons this night. Would you therefore wait till they were grown? In other words, she says, this is so preposterous. It is good thinking. It is rational for you to go back and let me go on alone. Do the right thing. Do the smart thing. Do the thing that's, that's intelligent and go back. And so it was... He says, and then she says, um, verse 13, Would you refrain, therefore, from marrying? No, my daughters, for it's exceedingly bitter to me for your sake. In other words, it grieves me to think that you would go on and suffer with me for my sake when my heart's desire is to see you thrive and flourish. That's a mom. And she says, also the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She knows his loyal love, but right now she can't find it. Then they lifted up their voices in 
verse 14, and wept again, and Orpah did the right thing, kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth would not go back. And then notice, look what Ruth, uh, Naomi says to Ruth. See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. So in a moment when she says the Lord has extended his hand against me, and it's also part of an argument as to why you ought to turn around and leave, it is in this very experience that Ruth expresses chesed, God's loyal love, to Naomi in the most profound way. And the powerful thing about it is this love has been cultivated by the love that Ruth sees in Naomi's life and has been living with in the presence of Naomi. It has caused her to drift away from the culture that she was raised, from the people, from the family, to turn to the love of God that she has seen in Naomi. And now at this moment, when Naomi, in expressing that very love, in saying, girls, let go. I, I have nothing to give, nothing to offer, nothing for you. It is then that Naomi gets that love in multiplication from Ruth. You see, Hesed, as we see it there in verse 8, when she says, may the Lord show you, Hesed, even as you have shown me, she is paralleling the love of God with that love expressed in our human behavior, in our human hearts, in our lives. That is possible. She is paralleling that. The, ver the word occurs again in chapter 2, verse 20, where it shows its permanence. Again there, um, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And then in chapter 3, verse 10, there is a sense of the sacrificial nature of chesed in that it just keeps coming. And it seems that one expression outdoes another because it just continues to show itself powerful. Chesed is not like our contemporary or cultural notions of love in that it doesn't involve just liking, it doesn't involve lusting or, or desiring, but it, it involves determined willing. In other words, it involves a choice, a decision, and not just a whim that you're going to mention and forget. It is a choice and a purposeful decision. It's stickability through thick and thin. It's richer 
and for poorer. It's in sickness and in health. And that's why this love shows up in our traditional uh, marriage vows, because it is really the highest form of love, a covenant love that God has with his creation. And I think it shows itself up almost naturally in a mother's love for her child. But it is to be most profoundly seen in God's people. And we see it beautifully expressed across the pages of the book of Ruth. And that's why love of God's kind, chesed, is something we should hang on to because it's God's never-ending love. It is a love that is intended for a broken world. Chesed is no ordinary kind of love. It's costly. It, it, it's a love that motivates a person to do voluntarily, voluntarily what no one has a right to expect or ask. It shows what it means when Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. And through love, God's hesed, we will see revives, rescues, and restores in the book of Ruth. We see it. Let me uh, somehow bring up those points. But we see it, as I read in uh, chapter 1 and verses 8 through 17, in a way that sometimes we can't appreciate. And here's the thing. The people involved don't always appreciate what God's love is doing when it is motivating and working through us and what it is doing to others around us. Naomi had nothing. I hope I've tried to make that clear. When we get finished with our series in Ephesians, we'll go through Naomi in greater detail. I would really like you to appreciate and see what's going on. But Naomi had nothing, nothing to build on, nothing to offer, although she did have chesed. My mom... When I was 18, um, my dad left us. And in that situation, my mom was not destitute as Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth were when they set out to go to Bethlehem. But like Naomi, um, my mom had to start over. And... Uh, Although we had a home and dad would surrender some financial help, um, mom had to return to school and earn a degree. Uh, she'd been doing part-time work, and now she had to be the sole provider. And uh, she got her teaching credential, and then she had to find a full-time job. And she loved teaching uh, second-grade children. That was the dream of her life, and uh, she was getting to that point where they were going to offer her tenure when these severe headaches started to beset her, and I remember them well, but she, she just pressed on. I mean, uh, it, was, it was obvious that it was, it was just taking her out of her pace, and yet she continued to juggle everything, and two kids that were more like chainsaws than uh, grapefruit. And <clears throat> with the diagnosis of the brain cancer, it threatened to take everything 
from my mother. Um, so in a sense, she wasn't as Naomi with absolutely nothing, but she's the closest symbol I have to a Naomi that I know. Um, but my mother had chesed. She had God's love. She had it in her heart to carry her, to hold on to her, and she held on to it, but she also had it to give, even when it seemed she had so little to offer. What I want you to appreciate is chesed can work miracles. It endures, but it shines brightest in weakness. It shines brightest when it has nothing to compare with it. And the powerful thing is Naomi at that moment when they were on their road to, on the road to Bethlehem and the girls were with them and she stopped. There's nothing to mark that spot. We don't know what path it was. It was a path between Moab, some portion of Moab, which is about the equivalent of Jordan today in relation to Israel and Judea. But uh, on that way there was a path and they were on it and she stopped and there's nothing to mark that spot. But in that spot there ought to be a great memorial. There ought to be a great pillar, a great marker, because it is the most defining moment in the history of the Bible. It is the most defining moment, in a way, in the direction and the purpose and the fulfillment of God's redemption. And I don't think Naomi realized it, and I don't think Ruth realized it either. It ought to be printed in red. Even more so, it ought to be printed in gold in our Bibles. Naomi couldn't see it. It was a defining moment. There were choices being made there that would alter the course of Israel's history and advance the redemptive purposes of God. And Naomi knew mostly her sorrow and her emptiness and yet Ruth saw her love and wouldn't let go of it. Naomi couldn't see it, and yet in that love that Ruth wouldn't let go of, Ruth became an Israelite. She became a child of God. She, through Naomi's faith committed herself not only to Naomi, but Naomi's God. And the book of Ruth attests to that again and again. My mother had no idea how momentous it was on that spot, a spot that I'm sure on other occasions she had been found, but it was a spot where she, on that occasion, got on her knees and was praying, and through the tears, little did she know, never did she know, that at the same moment, her son was looking for her and approached her room, and she had left the door slightly ajar, and so her son, instead of announcing his presence, just inched open the door and could hear her on her knees praying. expressing her love for God and praying not for herself 
in the throes of dying because of brain cancer, but for praying for the husband that had left her, praying for those around her, pouring out, out of her emptiness, volumes of chesed. I wasn't a believer, but that touched me so deeply. I saw in her emptiness something I didn't see in the world. Something that I had heard about. I'd heard about Jesus, but now I was seeing it bona fide and validated in a way that struck me. Just as I believe Ruth was struck when Naomi said, go home, find rest in another husband. And she saw love there that she couldn't find anywhere else. She wanted the love of that God and that woman. And she displays it throughout the story. It revives people. It gives them hope. It shows them life at another register, on another frequency. We hear poems and music, and people sing about it, and they dream about it, and they desire it, and it's an ideal. But when you actually see it played out in the gritty gritty nature of life. And the name on that love is the name of our God and creator in Jesus Christ. Then you realize this is the real deal. And that's what Ruth is all about. And the powerful, powerful thing is that it not only revives, but it rescues. We see that through the book of Ruth. And it not only rescues, but it restores. But sometimes when we're loving like that, we're loving out of calculation. We're loving for return. But when you just love that way, things happen that you may never realize. You may think it's just an ordinary day, but for that person, it becomes an extraordinary day. A woman I hadn't seen in months showed up unexpectedly asking to see me. I changed my schedule. I said, sure, she came in. I had never seen her look so disheveled. And the color of her, her, her countenance, her color, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't healthy. And she smelled of sour alcohol. It had taken her a while to get to this point. And I had no idea it was a defining moment for her. Maybe it wouldn't have been a defining moment if God's chesed, his agape love in Jesus Christ wasn't there for her. But it was. And I didn't realize, but if you, if you met her, if you met this woman, she would begin to tell you about Jesus' love and about the day she came to see me. Because for her, that was a concrete expression of love she didn't expect to see, that she didn't deserve, that the law wasn't offering her, that society wasn't offering her. She was at a point in which she had used up all of her capital, social and otherwise. God's love 
Agape or chesed can be boiled down to this. Someone cares and has freely made it his or her business to look out for you. And that begins with God. My mother was the gospel to me. She was a living gospel to me. Naomi was a living gospel to Ruth. And Ruth was the gospel of God's love in the marketplace throughout the book of Ruth. And Boaz saw it. And this is one of the powerful things about God's love. When you really step it up, step out in faith, and risk to love like that, it challenges other Christians to step up their love game, to really start trusting God and really start loving like they haven't been loving. Sometimes we just slap the label Christ on love, but it's a tired, earthling version. It's not the love of God. It's not fueled by faith. It's not love. It's not fueled by his everlasting love, but that's what Boaz does. And in fact, Ruth's bold acts of chesed in, verses, in chapter 2, 3, um, start a chain reaction of love that affects not only Naomi, but in not only Boaz, but the whole village of Bethlehem. And in the end, it affects a fundamental change in all of history. Because in chapter 4, Boaz gains the legal right to be their kinsman redeemer, and with it, to marry Ruth. And in chapter 4, verse 13, we are told that God opened Ruth's womb. Remember, she was married and could not bear a child. But now she bears a child, and this restored the name of Elimelech, her husband. Her line her posterity had died with her husband and two boys, but this child is born, and they name him Boaz. And do you know that Boaz had a son, and his name was Jesse? And do you know that Jesse had a son, and his name was David, King David? And out of his line came Jesus, the Messiah. That's why it was such a monumental, life-changing, history-converting occasion. After my dad left, my mother told me uh, she would gladly give up her life if her sacrifice would influence my dad enough to give his life to Jesus. I think she was kind of subtexting me because I know she was also speaking to me. But you see, and her birthday was yesterday. Uh, she died. <clears throat> not even two weeks after my 21st birthday. But I just, the thing is, is it wasn't her death. It was her life. And the fact that her life, life of love, really, I, I'm not kidding you. She loved with God's love, and death itself couldn't quench it. The throes of death didn't snuff it. And that, 
That's what I honor. That life of love. And the God who wrought it in her. You can honor that love too. It's the love of God in Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the love that is to illustrate and characterize the disciples of Jesus. That's the love that we celebrate when we see it in moms and we celebrate today. Will you stand with me? I read a quote, and the gist was, um, one person today will see the glory of God, another will not. But the irony is that they're both looking at the same thing. Will you see the glory of God? If you would see it, you would see it in the power of God's nature expressed in love because nothing can quench the truth of the gospel, which is God's love demonstrated to you in Jesus Christ through his cross and resurrection, that you might know new life, a life of love. And we pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, we want to bless you because you just torrentially bless us. We praise you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for the mothers in our lives who have shown us something very credible about that love in the way they have loved us, and we praise them and you, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people said, Happy Mother's Day.